Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you on another Wednesday evening where we are set to continue our exploration of movies and Christ in movies. And as it is Wednesday evening, I do have Father Mike Ritter in studio with me. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Hey, thanks, Joe. It's always good to be with you. So, Father Mike, I received a question last week on the hills of our last movie, and it was a pretty simple, straightforward question. Uh, Dr. Holcroft, what is the basis of uh, your selection of movies? Why do you select the movies that you select? And so I thought that would be good to talk about a little bit as a reminder to our listening audience that the answer to that question involves you, <laughs> right? And I just pointed, by the way, because you saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do we know the name of the person who asked this question? Uh, Shelly from Nebraska. Shelly, let me tell you how this works. I just do whatever Joe tells me to do. <laughs> okay. No, we, that I, is not true. That is not true. <laughs> no, you know, we, uh, I think we've... we've had a couple of different approaches. I mean, some we, we've talked about some movies because they were so classic or because of the the ripeness of the material. I think we've been looking a lot lately at um, uh, what's doing really well in the box office. Uh, the movie we're going to discuss today just recently was released, and so uh, on DVD. On DVD, yeah. So uh, we're trying to figure out what, you know what were g- great classics over time or what's really big now because the question that we're trying to ask is. Why? Why does this work? How does it speak? Why is it engaging the culture the way that it is? Yeah. We have received a number of responses to, uh, well, a number of different movies, but the one that's most striking addressing your observation is Jumanji. Mm. There have been a lot of people out there who were struck by our conversation about Jumanji because it was so unexpected. But to your point, Father Mike, the reason why we did that is because that movie made more money in the box office than Star Wars by the third week. That is to say, three weeks in, Star Wars was no longer the number one movie, but Jumanji, and it was number one for like, what was it, four or five weeks? It was a long time. Yeah, so we asked the question, why? (laughs) Right, I I mean, the whole idea is uh, the movies are speaking to people, so let's speak to the movies and and try Mm. to get inside of that phenomenon, I think, as as part of our rationale. And like I say, uh, you know, (laughs) you're involved if you request a movie, we oh, want yeah. to do that movie. And really, if we've done, what, 28 movies now? I can't remember exactly. But yeah. half the movies we've done, um, we've done because you've requested them. Now, right. that being said, we are doing the Avengers, the Infinity War this evening. And yep. we're doing it because it has grossed over $2 billion worldwide <laughs> in the box office. I think it's number four all time. You know, so there's something there. It says something. Yeah. <laughs> it says something. And so part of the our program is to figure out what does it say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And as far as looking forward goes, next week we're going to talk about uh, Mission Impossible. Which I'm excited. I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I want to see it this week, but uh, it looks great. Yeah, my wife and I went to see it over the, the weekend, and we just loved that one. We, we yeah. really enjoyed it. And then two weeks from now, we're going to talk about When Harry Met Sally. We are going to bring in by way of phone my sister-in-law, uh, Jackie Holcraft. So that in, in the Holcraft family is the other Jackie because uh-huh. my wife is Jackie. But we're going to bring her in by way of phone. Uh, she'll have a lot to say on When Harry Met Sally. So 
please watch those movies because I think, Father Mike, uh, what we talk about here on the radio is probably best after you watch the movie. Oh, yeah. Because if you're going to get into the heart of the movie, you, you have to talk about the end. Right? So if you are tuning in for the first time, just know that you better watch the movie. And if you haven't watched Avengers, then turn us off right now. I mean, I hate to say that, but uh, right. <laughs> turn us off and watch the movie and then come back on and see if, if your thoughts compare with ours. And as I always say, if they don't and you have something to share, please, please don't hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com. Or as always, you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org. Okay, Father Mike, so uh, the Avengers, Infinity War, what's going on here? Just by way of brief summary, I think off the top, we might say something about how we see all of these Avengers who at one time, we have to remember in previous movies, were adversaries coming together. So Iron Man, uh, Thor, uh, the Hulk, and the whole Avengers team unite to battle really their most powerful enemy yet in, in Thanos. And as we were talking in our pregame huddle, Father Mike, Thanos is kind of the villain of all villains to talk about. Now, what makes Thanos the great villain, uh, the great evil figure that he is? Well, he's on a mission to collect six Infinity Stones, and I should say all six Infinity Stones, because it is not until then that he can't impose his will. Once he has these six Infinity Stones, then he can impose his will upon all of humanity, really upon reality as we think or see it, which will be part of our conversation. So essentially, Father Mike, the fate of the planet and existence itself has never been more uncertain as everything the Avengers have fought for has led up to this battle against uh, Thanos. Now, what motivated Thanos? Why is Thanos doing this? Because his home planet, Titan, is, yeah, Titan yeah, yeah. was destroyed. Why was it destroyed? And another interesting motif we'll explore. Well, because according to the Thanos, there was a scarce of resources. Hmm. So the planet was destroyed because of, of overpopulation. So if he gets all six infinity stones, then he can impose his will on all humanity, reality, the cosmos, wiping away half the planet. Right. So that those who do survive will have the resources they need to survive. That really is the end game. I mean, not only Earth, but to, to basically wipe out half of everyone everywhere. Yeah, and maybe, Father Mike, if we are going to get at that end game and what this movie is all about, uh, we could start with the name Thanos. For all of you who are faithful listeners, you know well that I like to explore the significance of names, and certainly Thanos is uh, relevant to our discussion. I mean, consider Thanos comes from a Greek word or name that speaks to death. Uh, thanatology is the study of death. So mm -hmm. right off the top, you're made to see that, yeah, this is the villain of all villains. Yeah. This is kind of the evil of all evil. He is the Lord of death, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Seeking to impose his will upon all of humanity. Uh, we have been, Father Mike, in the book of Genesis, and I've noted there, you know, when you see a name change, there's an elevation of status, uh, Abram to Abraham, he's now father of all nations. Jacob to Israel, you know, Sarah El, one who contended with God, right? He, he receives this name change, that is Jacob, after he fights this nameless angel. But it's not enough to just say where there's a name change, there's an elevation of status. 
look at the meaning of the name because in the meaning of the name you're going to kind of see their foreordained purpose their vocation mm. to some degree something about who they were in salvation history so it's not enough to just say oh his name changed what does the name mean moses from the water yeah. right uh yeah. thanos lord of death yeah now what's really interesting about this is while he's lord of death the movie puts off this air of compassion, right? He must destroy half of the world, half of the cosmos, so as to save half of the cosmos. So here you have the Lord of Death coming off as compassionate, merciful. Oh, yeah. I think that this is the like heart of our discussion in the movie, this idea that uh, the ultimate evil comes across not as malicious or as punishing, but as compassionate. Mm. He's got like a lieutenant or one of his main sidekicks where you know the movie opens up and we see this line a couple of times and people are getting wiped out and this guy is standing out in front saying, you know, rejoice and be glad yeah. because yeah. salvation has come to you yeah. and you're going to die and that's too bad for you, but at least you're going to know that you have brought this great salvation because of your suffering. Right. It's, it's amazing. So this terrible deed... Uh, is seen as salvation, as liberation, as freedom, as mm. all of the, as compassion. I think that the the heart of evil, it, it's such a great insight, is not the terrible monster that uh, kills you because he's a monster. Mm. Uh, the the real perniciousness, uh, the the viciousness of the evil, or, or why he's the ultimate villain. Not only because he becomes you know all powerful, um, but because he believes that his evil is actually mercy. Yeah, that he is all good. Yeah. yeah. Father Mike, the majority of people out there believe that the greatest ally of Satan is that people don't think he exists. And don't get me wrong, I think he definitely uses that to his advantage. Yeah. But I would argue against that to the point we're making right now. The greatest ally of Satan is that too many people think that he's good. Right, and let's let's take a, a simple, like, in a, in a hot-button item, you know, something like uh, abortion. So much of the language around this issue is the language of compassion, you know, understanding, uh, non-judgment, and all, all of these kinds of things. And, Cloaked uh, in healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, I think, ultimately looking at the issue, it's clear enough to see... Obviously, to honor the, 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 the terrible situation that so many people find mm, themselves in. And, of course. You know, yeah. to me, one of the great evils of this industry is that it preys on people when they're most vulnerable. Mm. You know, mm. and I think the great evil is not so much, uh, you know, it's not to point the finger at somebody who's had an abortion. It's not that. It's that we as a society yeah. take advantage of people when they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And they, yeah. they can't see a remedy. Yeah. They're not able to bear, uh, they're, they're, they're not able. Yeah. And we take advantage. Yeah. Uh, but to, to call that compassion and understanding and care, I think, is a, a Thanos type of thing. <laughs> so it's, uh. it's easy to see how here evil is most evil or like probably the most ultimate villain we've come across uh, is one who not only presents himself this way, but understands himself as being compassionate. Mm. It's interesting, the, these different infinity stones have different powers, you know, the, some rule control time, others control space. I think the one that, that he wields the most, now that I think about it, is the, has to do with controlling reality. Yeah. 
you know, time and again, he's manipulating reality. Uh, the girl was going to stab herself with a knife. He turns it into bubbles. Another guy was going to shoot him into bubbles. Yeah. You know, he <laughs> appears to be dead, but then he's not dead. But the great power here is the manipulation of what's real. Mm. And if you want to look at our rhetoric around some oh, of these uh, moral issues, yeah. I mean, if there is an infinity stone here, if there's a power that's being exercised, uh, it's this manipulation of what's real. Yeah, I think, Father Mike, this is a really important insight that we need to reclaim what is real. Incidentally, if you were to go back into Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, Joy of the Gospel, he makes this very point that essentially we are to reclaim what is real. Oh, by the way, this is why on more than one occasion did he talk about just not the sin of fake news and bad journalism, but the grave matter of fake news and bad journalism. Why? Because we are owed the truth. And moreover, to your point, it is the work of the adversary to manipulate truth. Satan does not possess anything of himself, right? The best he can do is hijack or or plagiarize. So this is what he's been doing, well, for the last, you know, 2,000 years, plagiarizing the truth that is Christianity, telling you and I and all the world that what you think is true is actually false. And it's this is not our conversation, you know, so, so much of the rhetoric, and I, and I don't want to just pick hot-button items, but because it's so, it's right out there, it's low-hanging oh, it, fruit. I, we, we ha- we, this, this, this program would fail, I think, Father Mike, if we did not talk about yeah. the stake that's before us. But here. I mean, let, let's look at the this manipulation of reality in the abortion conversation. It's so much uh, rights, men's rights, women's rights, whoever's rights, it's health care. But really the question is about what's real. Is it a human being or is mm-hmm. it not a human being? Yeah. And that's not where we expend our energy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that there's just something rich about that, uh, that power that's wielded in the movie, uh, how evil presents itself, understands itself as compassion, and the distortion of reality that comes yeah. with that. I yeah. think that that's such a rich thematic element. The other thing that that struck me was um, you have all of the great superheroes of Earth kind of banding together, and I I think we could talk more about that because that's such a great aspect. But what struck me is uh, the Avengers are described as Earth's most powerful healers or uh, heroes. And at the end of the movie, as Thanos is coming to get the last stone, you have all of Earth's great, powerful people coming at him, and he's just flicking them away like they're nothing. (laughs) And they're they're all exercising their unique superpowers, and they're Mm -hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was just struck by the the powerlessness of power. Mm. You know, we keep trying to get on top, outdo one another. Um, I, we, I deter your violence by greater uh, capacity for violence. Mm. And it just seems in the struggle against evil itself, power is kind of futility. That's not the way. Look at Jesus on the cross. He, yeah. he yeah. conquers the world, not by becoming a greater conqueror, but yeah. by being the conquered one. Yeah, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has the beautiful reflection on the exchange between Pontius Pilate and Christ when Pilate asks the question of Christ, what is truth? And, you know, 2,000 years ago, we might anticipate Christ responding with some great exposition on truth. And what did he do? He said nothing. He simply accepted his cross and obediently went to his death. And as Benedict notes in his reflection... Death was overcome by power? No, but as you just spoke to it, Father Mike, by humility. 
we become more powerful in our Christian walk the more we become humble. Now, this uh, this movie, especially uh, Thanos, he, you were sharing that this really kind of touches on a lot of 20th century philosophical type thinking. Oh, yes. Yeah, because ultimately, when you tap into the the mind and speaking of reality, reality of what Thanos is about, it's him asserting his will, mm. right? The, the will to power. And anytime you start talking about the will to power, yeah. you can't help but think of Nietzsche. Now, I'm going to make a confession. I spent a lot of time the last 36 hours reading Nietzsche. Yeah, and scary. I, I know, I, but it was quite fascinating because you see the dangers in it. And I have a quote here from him where he's talking about the Superman. And I think this, to some degree, opens up an important point of discussion for us, Father Mike, as it relates to, to Thanos. And then I think we can get into the, the Avengers coming together to overcome death. This is Nietzsche. I teach you the Superman, or when you translate the German, the Overman. Man is something that shall be overcome. Mm. Listen to this carefully. Listen to what Nietzsche says and see the danger in it. What have you done to overcome him, to overcome man? All beings so far have created something beyond themselves. And do you want to be the ebb of this great flood? Mm. (laughs) And even go back to the beasts rather than to overcome man? What is ape to man? A laughingstock or painful embarrassment. And man shall be that to to the superman. A laughingstock or painful embarrassment. You have made your way from worm to man, and much in you is still worm. Once you were apes, and even now, too, man is more ape than any ape. The superman is the meaning of the earth. Let your will say, <laughs> let your will say, and hear Thanos in this, the superman shall be the meaning of the earth. Man is a rope tied between beast and superman, a rope over an abyss. What is great in man is that he is a bridge and not an end, right? So <laughs> it's stunning and it's dark stuff. You, you know what's amazing to me, and this movie is a great example of how this uh, deeply consequential philosophical thought trickles down into the culture. Oh my goodness! And we yes. digest it without a thought. Yeah. You know, but but this is so much the orientation of this villain. Yeah, and all you have to do is go back into the 20th century. Uh, take Hitler, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, his closest soldiers of death, the SS soldiers, he would have them go to the schools of Nietzsche before they joined him, Yeah. right? Because they needed this philosophy, the philosophy of the Superman to be ingrained in them. Now, again, like Thanos, Nietzsche saw this as a good, which raises... The much larger question that is before any student of Nietzsche, and that's the question of ends and means. Can an intrinsic evil right. be justified by a good? It, yeah, it doesn't no. matter. Yeah, <laughs> emphatically, <laughs> no. But it, y- intentions don't make evil good. Mm. Good intentions. Yep. To that great ethical question, uh, do the ends justify the means? No, they don't. No, they don't. Although <laughs> Thanos thought otherwise, they don't. And if we were to apply this to our everyday life, I think we can learn an invaluable lesson, an invaluable lesson. Pope Francis likes to talk about what he calls this ideological colonization. What is ideological colonization? Well, it's when a wealthy nation from the West says to a lesser or third world country, I will give you what you need if you accept our ideology. 
if you start the practice of euthanasia, mercy killing, I will give you all the resources you need. Pope Francis says that is a grave evil, it is extremely oppressive. A, you never give with the expectation that you will get something in return. B, <laughs> you are putting a condition upon the gift that is intrinsically evil, and you cannot do that, right? You simply cannot do that. Why did Thanos want to save half the world because of his own experience on Titan, where his planet was lost because of the scarcity of resources and, and overpopulation? Man, is this not another hot-button topic today? Another thing that Pope Francis has condemned. It's interesting. Father Mike, a lot of people want to make the point that Pope Francis has spoken to climate change in the affirmative. But what no one talks about is the fact that when he did talk about it in his document on Our Common Home, he condemned the practice of climate change as an ideology in the name of population control. Right? So we do have to take a step back and begin to see a little bit that what is going on in this movie isn't so distant from what is going on today. So, uh, yeah, I, that's what I think is so insightful about the movie is, is just that um, how, you know, evil as we imagine it is really kind of a caricature. It's really scary. It's really mean. <laughs> and, and certainly there is some of that. But really at the heart of it, it, it is this confusion around what makes for uh, compassion and, and, and in terms of what our what our end game is what's so striking about Nietzsche and, all, and also the movie is the God here is really progress you, you know what I mean like we, we have to move yeah, forward yeah, we have yeah. to transcend that, that we, the human person is not an end in and of itself it's a rope you know that you you are a passing step to that which is greater but it's always uh, moving forward you know and for the sake of development whatever that is Mm-hmm. But what what gets lost is, uh, exa- and he you heard it yourself. What gets lost is the the human being as an end in and of him or herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, versus you know the the kind of faith orientation is we always speak of God, but the God of your fathers. Mm-hmm. Our orientation isn't always I've just got to get to what's next, but I've got to uh, I have to look back to understand where I'm going. Well said, Father Mike. I think at one point or another in all of our lives, <laughs> we ask the question, am I doing what I should do to contribute to society? And we focus on what we do and how much we make and, and how we contribute to society. And that's all fine and well. Those are not bad things. But if that's the ceiling, if you will, if that is the full measure of man, you've got a problem. And as a society and culture, we have a problem. As Benedict XVI reminds us, humanity is not defined by what we do. What we do is good, but ultimately defined and receives its fullest measure in who we are. That what we do is only going to be as good as who we are, because we are human beings and not human doings. How much we make is important, but maybe you work a lot and work hard and you don't make as much as the next person. God knows. God sees. So in the end, progressing as a human race can only, only happen if we are rooted, rooted in a relationship with God that is defining our being so that our doing has proper trajectory, if you will. Father Mike, you brought up the Avengers coming together. Mm-hmm. And in our pregame huddle, we did talk about you know the importance of this great theme and motif. And so we should talk about it. I guess the reason why this really struck me was that we see today 
uh, the need to come together to yeah. fight today's Thanos. Mm-hmm. And I might say today's Thanos comes in the name of the persecution of religious freedom. Mm. I'm reminded of um, Glenn Beck, mm. the very uh, famous and recognized Mormon political pundit. He said uh, during the time of the contraception mandate and Obamacare, we are all Catholic now. Mm-hmm. We are all Catholic now. Why would Glenn Beck, who is a Mormon, say that? Well, <laughs> if the Sisters of Charity are going to be forced to pay for something that their religious beliefs do not accept, then what does that mean for everyone else? We are all Catholic now. Mm-hmm. You know, Glenn Beck says, it is time for us who have differences to come together on a united front to defeat death. Yeah, and, and whatever the issue is or whatever one's orientation is, there's something in this movie, there's something so enjoyable about seeing the, our different heroes, even those who have been on opposite ends of whatever you know, conflict, seeing them come together and have each other's back and also use, it, it quite literally, their unique gifts mm-hmm. to yeah. kind of fight together against yeah. this, this a collective threat to, to the future, really, to humanity. So, and, and we can parcel that out to every, every issue, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and oh, you yeah. give a great example. But I think on, on the most uh, fundamental human level, there's just something so resonant about uh, coming together like that against a common foe that it, it unites us in a really uh, enjoyable way to watch. So one of my, my great scenes in the movie, uh, one of these uh, characters is on her own against Thanos. Uh, or one of those guys, and then the sudden discovery that she's not alone because yeah. somebody else has just showed up to get her back. Yeah, it just it resonates. It resonates, yeah. and I and I would suggest to you that it says something about when when we have that experience and we're watching a story. It says something about who we are. Yeah, we have to remember, as I noted off the top, Father Mike, that in previous movies these Avengers were at each other. You know, yeah. I'm thinking here of Civil War, Captain yeah. America, and and Iron Man. They, they were at each other, right? Um, and suddenly, to Captain America's surprise or Iron Man's surprise, or in the example that you had given, you know, they have each other's back. And so even to the person who you think is your foe, you know, your, your fellow Christian who, who comes from another denomination, just might be the one who has your back in your greatest time of need. And I think that's what's most enjoyable about that and what you're talking about, Father Mike. There's something about not only are they coming together on a united front, but they they were adversaries at one point. Yeah. And now, because of the common foe being so great, it's time to fight. And just as a wrap-up for me, you know, this movie is so successful. The, the superhero gig is so successful. And, and I think a part of that, for me, I mean, why, why is this such an enjoyable franchise? I think all of these superheroes, they bring me back to my childhood. Mm. You know, you're growing up. Mm. We grew up with this stuff, Spider-Man oh, and yeah. all of these people. Yeah. And, and it seems like you have to go to these old characters and these old stories and bring all of that together to fight the new evil. Mm, mm. You know, th- this new distortion of reality does call us, but what, what, who am I and where do I come from? What's my history? What did I learn as I was growing up? Because uh, these are the powers that are called upon to defend the earth. Mm, mm. Uh, I think that, you know, who's doing great atrocities in, in, in the name of moving forward uh, we have to dig back and figure out what did the young Mike and the young Joe, how did we come up? Because that's the great power that Earth calls on in the struggle against evil. Amen. Amen. And we should close with that, Father Mike. I think that's a beautiful close. Can we close with a word of prayer? 
So we ask you, Father, in your goodness to always uh, pour out your gifts of grace upon us all as we continue to thank you uh, for these moments in which we reflect on the meaning of our life in these great stories which speak to the culture. We ask for your blessing, you who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father Mike. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.